1: Hey, everybody. Sean King here. For the month of July, I'm on sabbatical. So we're rerunning some of our favorite episodes of The Breakdown and other North Star podcasts. I hope you enjoy them, and I'll see you again in August with brand new content. The the Breakdown. Hello, hello. Hey, hey. Happy Valentine's Day. Ooh,
0: thank you. Are you
1: one of those people who say Valentine's Day? T I N no Don't act like you don't know. What person do you think I am here? Plenty of people are out here wishing Happy Valentine's Day.
0: Yeah, they're all related to you.
1: Probably. They're my family's a little bit country, but you've got a lot of country in your family also.
0: Oh, I definitely have some country in my family. Yeah,
1: so no one's ever wished you a happy Valentine's Day?
0: Oh, I'm sure they have. Okay. I'm sure they have. So
1: we are wishing you a happy Valentine's and a happy Valentine's Day.
0: No, I'm only wishing one. There's, Dep- there's no M on mine.
1: Depending on your region.
0: What's crazy, though, is social media has taught me that my friends and family do not know how to spell very well.
1: Very much so. And
0: that their grammar is horrible.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's exposing a lot, but... You know, happy Valentine's Day. It's a loving day. We're in Black History Month. Do you think it's good? I think it's great that Valentine's Day is during Black History Month. Yeah. I think it's like a double entendre.
0: Yeah. Black love.
1: Black love. Love Black people.
0: Yes. Love your fellow man. Love your mom. Love your dad. Love everybody around you.
1: Yeah. It's a love fest. It's a love fest. And we love our listeners. Thank you so much, you guys, for tuning into our podcast. We're never clear on how many people are actually tuning in. Um, I mean, we see some of the metrics, but we try not to pay attention to those things. But you guys reach out. Y'all get on our website. Make sure we're legit. See what we look like. You reach out to us um, at momentum-advisors.com. You ask us questions about your personal portfolio. You know, we really are talking to y'all in real time, and we love that.
0: I must declare that we are starting to pop in
1: these streets. You must declare. I must declare that. Okay. Alan of the 1800s. (laughs) Who must declare. Yeah, no. Our website is starting to, you know, blow up. Yeah. Our Twitter
0: page is getting popular.
1: Yeah. You sound like an old man right now. Like our website was doing well before. (laughs) No,
0: it's starting to really blow up. We
1: had a lot of traffic prior to the podcast. We are continuing to have a lot of traffic on our Twitter as much as we always were.
0: I just have a shout out I want to make. Okay. This month is the ninth anniversary of Momentum Advisors, The Firm. Yeah. Not the show, but The Firm. The
1: Firm, yes. Yeah. Speaking of The Firm, not to detract from Momentum Advisors, were you a fan of The Firm?
0: The show or the rap group? The rap group. Oh, yes. The rap group? Yes. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Um, But back to Momentum Advisors, yes, it's Momentum Advisors' ninth yeah, you've been in business for nine years.
0: Yeah, not just me. I mean, I, mean,
1: I wasn't there for the whole nine.
0: Correct. I've yeah. been around
1: for like the last six. Yes. Close to seven, but not nine.
0: Yeah. The first two years were very lean. I'll just put it that way. Okay. We were... Uh, barely, Rough
1: around the edges Barely
0: managing any money. That's not
1: true. That's no, not I mean, true.
0: I mean, compared... like We're 10 times as big as we were in year one.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. But like, you know... You are still managing meaningful amounts of money. We're just managing a lot more money now. We have a lot more advisors. Our team is larger. We have more offices. So things are different. We have grown. But where you were two years ago was still meaningful.
0: Yeah. The the beauty, though, is that the firm is still very much rooted in the same core elements. Like, we were always about helping people. And what I love is that today we can help a lot more people. Because initially it was me by myself. I was managing about $25 million. Today, there's 10 of us, and we're managing about $285 million. So like we've grown more than 10x in this period of time. But what I love is that we've got clients all over the country and all over the world now who we are helping with their investments, with their financial planning, with their wealth management, with their wealth building. I love it.
1: Yeah, and I think the part that you probably never foresaw um, back two years ago you are an entrepreneur over several businesses. You're a serial entrepreneur. You own a number of different franchises. You own an insurance brokerage. You opened a lot more businesses over these last several years.
0: And so did you.
1: Yes. No, that was a we thing. My lady. We did that, I declare. <laughs> yes. um, but let's declare what we are talking about today.
0: Yes. Today we are breaking down cooperative economics. Cooperative economics is really just how we can come together as a people And invest together.
1: Yes. And when we say as a people, we just mean people. We don't mean like a specific group of people. It doesn't have to be black people, white people. It doesn't have to be yo people.
0: We strongly suggest that black people get involved. No,
1: we definitely- Especially
0: Black History Month.
1: recommend that black people get involved for sure. But I think this theme of cooperative economics really does speak to people being able to invest collectively in ways that they wouldn't be able to do so on their own. And I think so many times we are like, listen, if I had the money- I would invest in real estate. I would buy that. I would open that business. I would do this thing. And cooperative economics talks about doing that thing, but getting some other people involved so you guys can do it together.
0: Yeah, I think it's a popular thing these days to talk about investing. And every now and then there's the post about the group of people that got together to do something. Like a couple of months ago, there was the group of folks that bought a whole town in Georgia. Yes. 19 families bought this 97 acres of land. And... A lot of folks are like, hey, how come more of us aren't doing these sorts of things? And then you start to get into these conversations about, well, we can't ever get our stuff together because X, Y, and Z. So today's show is about the tactics, like things you could actually do like this year, starting this month, to get some cooperative economics going.
1: Yeah, but I'm going to say this first. Like the disclaimer that has to be said is like, you've got to get out of your own way. You've got to, because I think, Alan, you just made the great point where it's like, if we could just get our stuff together together. Well, why don't you start with yourself? Why don't you start with yourself and the few people that you do know who do have their stuff together? Everybody and a mama don't have to have their stuff together in order for you to be straight. You just got to know a couple of people. Sometimes you only have to know one other person who can be on the same page as you in order to do big and great things. So clear your head, clear your head of all the things that are wrong, right? Like we, we don't need to focus on those things. And for cooperative economics, you have to think about what we can do together.
0: And one thing I want to say on this note is that this won't be some nationwide movement. This might be you and your friends. It might be you and your cousin or your brother or your sister. That's cooperative economic. That's like I think enough. There's so many folks that are waiting for this moment, and it needs to be led by athletes and entertainers, and let's all come together. We're going right. to create this giant fund. We're going to create these banks. Like You can do it in your own town. Right. You can do it in the place where you grew
1: up, right? Because LeBron's not calling y'all.
0: Like yeah, he's you not. know
1: what I mean. Jeff Bezos isn't calling y'all. Yeah, like they're just gonna figure it out on their own. And just be clear, Jackie, me... Ch-
0: Jackie Chan's not calling.
1: Jackie me Chan. What does Jackie Chan? I'm trying own? to
0: keep it more multicultural. I, I
1: All would've... these
0: different leaders of the different cultures are not calling you.
1: Okay, but Jackie Chan <laughs> isn't calling anybody. I don't think he owns things. I don't think I he bet owns he does, things. But okay. he's not
0: gonna call anybody. He's mm. going to do his own thing. Okay. so, right. So let's start with some small things and we'll work our way up. So the first thing is the idea of buying your family member's house.
1: Yeah. So last year I felt like this became like a popular theme or a popular phrase, don't sell grandma's house. Right? Like I was seeing that all over social media and I don't know if it went over people's heads, but realistically- you know, there are people in your family, whether it's your parents, whether your grandparents, who have homes that they have purchased. Sometimes they're paid off, sometimes they're not. And when they pass away, whoever inherited is so quickly to sell it. Let me sell this house and get some money. Not thinking about the fact that real estate is one of the greatest investments any of us could ever have. Now, you don't want to go to the bank and go through a loan process, but when someone passes something down or when something's available in your family when it comes to real estate, you're so quick to throw it away.
0: And also the idea of buying real estate from your living family members. Like I was able to buy my first house from my parents and I sold the house to my little brother. And the beauty of this story is that, you know, for one, and I'll give you the numbers, like my parents paid $68,000 for their house in 1979.
1: Okay, Alan, put your business out there. Okay. Okay.
0: 1979. <laughs> By the time I sold the house, it was for over $300,000.
1: Mm. How much did you buy for it for, though? Don't skip that part.
0: Okay. I paid somewhere in the middle. I, I paid oh. about... I, I paid... You know what? It's all public. I paid $150,000 for the house.
1: Okay. So parents bought it for
0: $60,000?
1: $69,000.
0: hmm So they doubled their money. Okay. Sold it to me.
1: For one fifty. Mm-hmm. All right. And
0: then I doubled it and sold it to my brother for 300, a little over 300. Okay. And so the beauty of that is that there's been the appreciation from 70,000. Today, the house is worth about 400K on Zillow. So $330,000 of wealth has stayed in our family by holding on to that single piece of real estate. Not only does that wealth stay in the family, we also did not need to go out and hire a realtor. Okay. And if we paid a realtor fee, That would be, you know, 6% times the purchase price every time. That's wealth destruction.
1: Yes. You also were able to offer a little bit of a hookup, you know, offer a discounted price, offer a nice fair price. Even though you guys were able to make a profit, you know, I'm sure you helped your brother out a little bit in that price. I'm sure your parents helped you out a little bit in that price.
0: My parents gave me a, probably about a 10 to 15% discount
1: now that might not be much on a sweater but on a house that yeah. is meaningful oh, that's
0: loot. and then i gave i turned around and gave my brother a 15 percent, 20 percent discount similar discount i won't yeah. say that i did more it was similar amount the beauty of that is when you sell a home to a family member in a transaction where you give a little bit of a discount the buyer doesn't have to put down a down payment
1: so there are a couple of things that happen here the buyer can put down no down payment or a very minimal down payment right there could also be very, very low closing costs because you're dealing with family. Yes. Right. And so for people who have purchased homes, like that down payment and them closing costs can break you. Oh,
0: it can be more than your down payment. Yeah. Like the closing costs themselves could be more than the down payment.
1: Yeah. Those are the surprise numbers. They'll say, oh, you probably only got to put 5000 down. And then $30,000 later, I will tell you <laughs> when I went through my home buying process, they were like, oh, you'll probably only have to put down 8000 Wow. Do you know how much I ended up putting down? How much? $32,000. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. wait. So, I'm sorry. Say that again. Yeah. They said you could buy this house and put down 8K. Yes. But by the time it was all said and done. Yes.
1: And it wasn't like, hey, you should probably consider putting a little bit more down. It was like, put the money down or we put the house back. Like it was $32,000. $32, $32, and I'm Four- sure that's happened to a lot of people where they tell you, just put $1,000 down. You know what I mean? And we'll get this done for you. And then on the day of when they're dangling them keys in your face, it's like, no, psych, we meant $20,000. So
0: you know what's crazy? You told me the story that the house where you live, the street that you live on is a street that your grandparents owned real estate on years ago. Imagine if that land had stayed in the family all the way from back then, all the way to now, how much easier your process would have been.
1: And I didn't know anything about that. And so it Comes to find out that my grandmother, my father's mother, who I never met, she passed way before I was ever born, was raised on this street, was raised in this neighborhood, went to church um, on the next street over and lived here, you know, through her childhood. I didn't know anything about that. Now, to your point, had, you know, she stayed here, she, I mean, she didn't go far. She went one city over when, you know, but had she stayed here um, and bought her parents home here and, you know. It would have stayed in our family, it'd have been a lot easier for me to get into this damn neighborhood. I <laughs> will tell you that.
0: Because that's the the crazy thing about gentrification is that when folks sell their property for a low price and then outsiders come in, the sad thing is that you'll never be able to go back. Like most times you get priced out of that market. Like I would imagine the price for your neighborhood today is very different than what it was when your grandma parents were buying in this neighborhood
1: yeah so i will say this and this is going to be this is probably going to be the thing that pisses people off i think we've been i think people generally have liked us um this might be the episode that Uh changes that what
0: are you about to say
1: gentrification you know how i feel about gentrification um so i don't hate gentrification i don't think gentrification is a horrible thing um and here's the reason why gentrification to me Oftentimes looks like somebody else who doesn't look like you seeing value in your neighborhood, where you don't see value enough to stay there or invest in it. And I know there are a lot of illegal practices. I know there are a lot of other things that happen that make it impossible. when it's just that you live in the hood and y'all aren't willing to invest in that neighborhood because it's so run down or you're so quick to leave that neighborhood because, you know, you you need to glow up and then somebody else comes in and buys it for the low and then raises the prices. To me, it was that we, and I'm saying we because oftentimes it's Black people, let go of our own property because it didn't look good enough for us.
0: Yeah. And we also know the backstory. Yeah, no, for sure. The the government will specifically underinvest in these areas, let them get run down, let crime come in, and then steal the real estate from you
1: 100 percent. but i think what i'm speaking to is we are so quick to want to leave our neighborhoods yeah right we are so quick to say i can't wait to move you know i can't wait to make enough money to move over there where it's nicer right so you're going to pay that premium over there instead of staying where you are and taking that extra money that you would have spent going over there and investing it into making your neighborhood nicer yeah. and if enough of us were able to do that Nobody could come in and gentrify anything. And if they did want to come into our neighborhood, they would have to pay us the premium. So oftentimes it's not that I like white people or whoever moving into others' neighborhood and changing the culture. What I am saying is if we are going to give up our property because we don't value it, we cannot be mad when somebody else comes in And puts the money into it.
0: So what you're saying is one man's trash is another man's treasure.
1: And what I'm also saying is don't sell grandma's house. Yeah. Because it really is that simple.
0: Yeah, that's a fact. So we talked about this idea of buying real estate from your family member. Uh, In my transaction, I got a mortgage from a bank, but you can also do a seller finance mortgage, meaning I could have paid monthly payments to my dad. Mm. Now, that requires a lot of trust, right? You don't want to be in this sort of deal and then the person is a deadbeat and now you're on the hook that they never paid you.
1: Yeah, don't do this with your cousin Malik. Like, you could do it with your parents. Like you said, someone you really trust, maybe Aunt Gail.
0: Yeah. But, like,
1: cousin Keith ain't going, he ain't going to do you right.
0: Because think about it. Like, with your mortgage, like, you just, you have a mortgage. And think about if you were to pay this mortgage over 30 years. Okay. You're paying, like, double for that house. Yes. Right? And so that's wealth that's really leaving your family. It's going to the bank. If you did a seller-financed mortgage meaning the person that sold the house that your parents or your aunt or your grandma that that sold you the house, they kind of hold the note. Now they get that wealth. Mm -hmm. They get that interest income instead. And you don't have to pay all these bank fees. I mean, it's a win-win for everybody. It does require trust and it does require you doing what you're supposed to do and paying that bill. Because if you draft it up right, you get a mortgage written, you get a promissory note, you can foreclose on your family member. Like that's, allowed, right? So we want to make sure that you're doing these things the smart way and the right way.
1: Yeah. Another thing that we have to take in consideration when you are doing something like this is there can be tax consequences.
0: Absolutely. So make sure you talk to your accountant about this because, yeah, if you buy an asset for, let's say it's a million dollar house, but you pay a hundred K for it, they might view that as, you know, you actually got a, a gift that is taxable. Yeah. So be careful with that. So the next idea is to buy a home with your crew, with your friends, your family.
1: I like this one. Why
0: not? Like you're willing to have a roommate in an apartment. Why not have a roommate and a mortgage mate and buy a home together?
1: So this is one of my favorites, right? Like I like this one because everybody don't love their family. Everybody's family isn't necessarily the best dynamic. But you chose your friends. Sure did. Right? So these is your people's, right? Like you like them. You guys have things in common. You know they're there for you. They know your business. Y'all do all these things together. Why not make some money together? Come on. Why not invest together? Yeah. And it can be in real estate. It can start in real estate. So I'm sure, again, one of you has driven through a neighborhood, looked through your neighborhood, found a house, found a commercial building, found an office building, and said, if I had the money, I would buy that. And I would do these things with it, and I would make some money. But I don't have it. It shouldn't just stop there. Somebody has it. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's not one person. Maybe it's four of y'all. Maybe you gather four of your friends, and instead of just sitting down and drinking mimosas all the time, maybe you have a conversation around, hey, how can we make each other some money? I have an idea. I found this piece of property. This is all I got. This is all I can put on it. How do we come up with the rest of this money to qualify for this loan or to buy it outright or to make it a business venture? This is what I'll do. This is what I can bring to the table. Maybe everybody doesn't want to be active. Maybe somebody just wants to cut a check. You know some of your homegirls just got a little bit more money than you do. Mm-hmm. That's okay. So maybe she's like, listen, I'm putting the money up, but I don't have time. I don't yeah. have time to be fooling around with this. And so maybe you're like, listen, I'm going to put in the sweat equity. I'm going to do all the work. I'm going to be the property manager. I'm going to oversee the construction. I'm going to do whatever. But let's come up with a plan on how we can make this investment, not be so defeated by what we don't have, and look around us to see how we can fill in the gaps to get what we need.
0: Absolutely. I love it. So there's two strategies in there right? So one strategy is what Tiffany's describing as buying investment property together. Another one is buying a residence together. Okay. As roommates. You know, buy that home that has a lot of bedrooms, and maybe you take the top floor, they take the bottom floor.
1: Or buy a multifamily home. And like you said, you know, one of us takes one of the units, one of us takes the other unit, but we own it together.
0: And rent out the other side if it's a two-family home.
1: Absolutely. We got more to talk about when it comes to this family-oriented cooperative economics, so stick with us. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. Hey, everybody, it's Sean. I'm the host of The Breakdown, of course, but I'm also the CEO of the North Star. And if you love this podcast or my articles and my advocacy or any of our other podcasts and articles, just know that it's more than me. We have editors, writers, producers, administrators, designers and technicians, and they all make everything we do work. And they and we need your support. For as little as five dollars a month, you can chip in to fund our liberation journalism at the Northstar.com. Go now to the Northstar.com and chip in today. Thank you all. We are back. Yes we are talking about cooperative economics. Today is a day of love. Yeah, it it's is. It's Valentine's Day. So love your family and friends and ask them for some money so y'all can invest in something.
0: Yeah. It's also the fourth principle of Kwanzaa. It's a great thing to talk about during it's Black not, History it's Month. It's not
1: Kwanzaa season. I
0: know, but I'm saying, like, everyone says Ujamaa. No Ujama. one was
1: thinking about Kwanzaa Everyone
0: right says that, but they don't know how to do it.
1: I think people skip the Ujamaa day. I don't even they think don't people skip remember that, that no, one. No, they,
0: they remember it.
1: But they definitely don't remember it in February.
0: But it's about time that they start. Okay. Yeah. So we're talking about cooperative economics. So before the break, we talked about buying a home from your family member. We talked about buying a home with your friends and family.
1: But even before we get to the friends and family, if something is passed down to you in your family, keep it. Work towards keeping it. See what you have to do in order to keep it. If there's still a mortgage on it, maybe you bring in another family member to make sure it can stay within the family. But- I think overall, what we're saying is keeping real estate within the family, whether you have to purchase it or whether it's passed down, whether you've got to build it up, whatever you have to do, get the family involved in order to keep as much real estate in your family portfolio as possible.
0: Absolutely. Because the thing about real estate is that when it comes to land, they're not manufacturing any more
1: land. Yeah. If anything, we're losing land, okay? It's dropping off into the ocean. That's another show. That's probably a whole other podcast, <laughs> Okay. But we're losing land left and right.
0: So that means that the value over time is just gonna go up. Yeah. It might fluctuate, but it's gonna go up over time. And one of the biggest costs that we have as human beings is the place where we live. Right. And so many of us have paid rent, so many of us are paying mortgages. There's a lot of progress that could be made if we hold on to real estate, if we invest in real estate. So keep it in the family, do it together, cooperative economics. So before the break, we also talked about buying real estate with your friends and family. So Tiffany, you, you brought up a great idea. Okay. We're driving past this commercial building. Okay. I'd love to buy it. Ow. I don't have the money, but here's a beautiful way that you guys could do this. Okay. Most people have some money saved for retirement. Did you know that your retirement account can be used to buy real estate, actual real estate, not just stocks and bonds and mutual funds? Did you know you can own a building in your IRA account? Of course, Tiffany, I was going to
1: say, I knew. but You know this. But, but, you rhetorically? Know, rhetorically, no. I do not know. <laughs> Tell me more.
0: So there's something called a self-directed IRA. This is a type of IRA account. Not every bank will offer it. We can tweet a handful of banks that do offer it. One is NewView IRA. You can Google them. Another one is Madison Trust. But there's a handful of custodial banks that will create IRA accounts that are self-directed, meaning you can... Direct your own investment strategy in them, and it is not just limited to the stock market. So, imagine that building costs three hundred thousand dollars.
1: I like the price of the building.
0: Okay, imagine you have fifty thousand dollars in your IRA. Okay, your homeboy has one hundred fifty thousand okay, in his homeboy.
1: IRA. What's my homeboy's name? Jayquan. No, I don't like Jayquan. Uh, Jake from State Farm, <laughs> go for it.
0: So now you're up to two hundred thousand. Me and Jake, and then you find your homegirl Tanisha, Stacy, Stacy. I think you use Stacy a lot. Do can I? we? Can we go with Tanisha? Okay. Okay. Tanisha has a hundred k, right? So now you guys can come together with each of your individual IRA accounts and make an investment. You can buy that building. You don't even need a mortgage. All right.
1: All right. You we don't, don't have, have no need... bank involved.
0: And you go out and you rent it out. You rent it out through Airbnb you might find a long-term tenant, but you guys become landlords. None of you individually had the money, but together you did.
1: So you're absolutely correct. And again, now you guys have solved a dream for three people. You've created investment across the board for three people. All you had to do was come together to be able to own something, but you own something that's not only meaningful and valuable, but that will allow ongoing income for the life of the investment for all three of you.
0: I love it. I love it. Now, there's a couple things you need to think about. The first is that you cannot use your IRA as collateral for a mortgage, Mm -hmm. right? So you might not be able to get a mortgage if you're using your IRA. That's the first thing. The second thing is you can't buy this place and then live there, nor can you rent it out to your mom. Like There are some very specific prohibited transactions you want to avoid. But the big picture is that you can do it and you can use assets that you have access to to be able to become an investor in real estate together.
1: Yeah, and in that case, we're particularly talking about if you're using retirement assets. If you're using your savings, if you're using other investment assets that you have, you can do whatever you want to do with it. Yes, You know what I mean? If you just got money in the bank, there's a lot of times where people, or you've gotten some sort of financial windfall, shout out to our other recent podcast, or you've just got a bonus, Oftentimes Mm -hmm. you get a bonus every year and you just spend that money on recklessness or you decide to, you know, I'm going to remodel my bedroom. Why don't you put that money towards a greater investment? You can remodel your bedroom every year once that thing is making money. But, you know, again, if there's other money in other places, you guys can come together. You won't need a bank loan. You don't have to worry about the quote unquote, the man. You won't have to worry about the bank. You won't have to worry about bad credit, mediocre credit, and you will just own something outright That's income producing for all of you and all of your families for the life of the ownership of this investment.
0: And you could sell it one day.
1: One day, but maybe you pass it down. Maybe you don't sell it. Maybe you pass it down to your children, Mm. right? But it doesn't change the fact that it's consistently made money for you every single month for Mm. the rest of your life. And you still have a whole asset that you can continue to pass down to the family.
0: I'm getting so excited right now, Tiffany. I think As we you need should. to we need to change the subject. I'm so excited.
1: As you this should.
0: This is so awesome. This is an awesome show. I'm glad to be a part of this, Tiffany.
1: Thank yes. you. Thank you for, for this. sure. So now another thing. Why don't you go into business with your friends? Mm. Okay, you all got a friend, a homegirl who can do some hair. Mm. Okay? okay, she whips them what's, bundles together. What's her name? Okay, um, Lisa.
0: Lisa. Lisa. Lisa's good with the hair. Lisa's
1: good with the hair. She's got skills. Okay, she's got skills. Then you got Kenneth. Okay. You know Kenneth can cook. Kenny. Okay.
0: Oh, yeah. Kenny throws it down.
1: Kenny can cook. And you know for a fact you believe in them. You've been there for them as they've done little one-offs here and there. They've done little pop-ups here and there. Maybe they might host a little cookout, charge for some dinners here and there. You're the first one in line because you want to support your friend. Why not put some money behind these friends and actually put them in business, go into business with them? They might not have the money to front the business, but maybe you do. You don't have the skill, but you've got the capital. I love it. Okay. Maybe three of y'all can come together and each put together $20,000 each so that this person can go out and whether it's purchase a piece of real estate or or get a lease, a lease and some equipment and some marketing and some staff to go into business where you guys are all receiving profits from this business off of supporting your friend in the skill that you know that they have that you've probably been a patron of for the last 30 years for free Mm -hmm. why don't you invest back into that so y'all can really make some money
0: can i give you a structure idea go for it in that example okay so y'all create an llc simple to do you can do an llc by the time this podcast is over yeah for sure Kenneth or Lisa, maybe they don't have any money to put in, but without them, there's no business. Right. Maybe you give Kenneth and Lisa 50% of the business, and maybe the investors take the other 50%. Okay. And maybe you structure it, where maybe the investors need to get their money back before, before Kenneth and Lisa really start to make a lot of money.
1: Yes. And that happens oftentimes in investment deals, where the investors get their money back first right before the other person you know gets is able to make any profit and then once they get their money back everybody's just sharing profit
0: yeah and the beauty in that is that you're giving credence to the fact that not everybody's putting in dollars but everyone's contribution is valuable now you might also be wondering well where do I get the money from like savings is one way we always love when people can do things like this through savings but going to that earlier conversation you can also use your retirement account even for a business. Now, the one thing we didn't say is that none of these retirement strategies involve you taking the money out of your retirement account.
1: Yeah, so let's be clear about that because there are penalties and fines when you do it that way.
0: Correct. We don't want you to pay a penalty. We don't want you to pay taxes. We want to make sure that you do this as an asset in your retirement account. So when it comes to a business, there is something called rollover as a business startup, R-O-B-S. It's a little complicated, but the idea is that if you're starting a business, that business can have a retirement plan, a 401k plan. And just like when you're working for a company and you can use your 401k plan to buy company stock, you can use your 401k plan to buy private company stock. So imagine again, that same example, you guys are backing uh, my man, Kenneth. Who can and cook.
1: Lisa and Lisa.
0: Okay. We're backing. Let's just pick one for this example.
1: Then I want to pick Lisa.
0: Okay, because you yeah, had her
1: she does hair. Yeah. Okay. Everybody needs their her hair. Her doobies
0: done. are right.
1: No one's doing doobies <laughs> anymore. Matter I think of they fact, are. guys, I we're think on they Twitter. Still are. We're on Twitter at Momentum Advice. If you're still getting a doobie from a professional hairstylist, not you're doing it in your own home. Right, like you are going to a hairstylist and still paying money for a doobie. I need you to hit us up at Momentum Advice. Not only do I need you to put yourself on blast, I need a picture. You need us. You need to send us a picture. And I'm sure your hair is laid. Listen, doobies have always worked. I just think we've evolved.
0: I don't think so. But doobies I think will always there.
1: get it done. I think we're the still, body and bounce is there when it comes to a we're doobie. We're still
0: in doobie uh, culture, who right?
1: Who do now? you know who gets a doobie? I know a
0: woman that has a whole doobie business, and she's prospering and opening multiple locations
1: and what assisted living facility is she
0: in? <laughs> <Let> me... <laughs> just because you got short hair don't care don't mean everybody has the same style that you have a lot of I'm women are that. rocking the doobie still i
1: don't think a lot of women are I, again okay. i just think we we've got new things
0: okay what are the new things weaves bundles Bundles. Bundles. Lace fronts.
1: Lace fronts.
0: Lace bottoms.
1: We're going, not lace bottoms. (laughs) We're going natural more. Okay. We're doing twist outs. A
0: doobie's a natural hairstyle, by the
1: way. Here you go. Not fully. Yes, it can be. Thank you. That's the style I was talking about. always going to be. Okay. Okay. I don't think black women are doing the whole blowout. Listen, again, if you're getting, if you're professionally paying for a doobie. Today in 2021.
0: More power to you.
1: Not if you're doing it at home, because I understand that struggle. I still got a hot comb right now.
0: You're looking mad good right now. Okay. Send us a picture. Send
1: us. Hit us up at Momentum Advice. Shout out to you and your doobie. And we'd love to see a picture.
0: Yeah. So either way. So you you backed Lisa. Lisa's doing...
1: Bundles, not doobies.
0: Okay. She's doing bundles. Because we might
1: not get our money back on the doobies.
0: Okay. So she's in the bundle business. Bundle business. Okay. So you create a C-Corp. Okay. You create a 401k plan for that C-Corp. You and your friends become employees of the C-Corp on paper. You then roll over all of your retirement dollars or, or just whatever dollars you want to put into the deal.
1: Yeah, that are necessary.
0: You roll those into the plan.
1: It's literally the equivalent of when you guys leave a job and start a new job, you're always so quick to want to roll over your retirement dollars from that other company into a new company. It's very similar to that, except the new company is your own.
0: Yes. And so you roll the money into that plan. And then you, as an investor in the 401k, decide to invest your money in Lisa's bundle
1: business. Bundle business. LBB. Yes, (laughs) in the bundle business. And again, in the same vein where you contribute to your 401k plan or you contribute to your retirement plan at work, that money gets invested. Now, it might get invested into products that you don't have a say over or that someone else selects for you or some funds, but it can be invested in private businesses, and again, yes. the business can be your own. And this is a way to do this again without having to pay it fees and penalties. Now you will have to pay fees for setting this up. Yes, it's um, not cheap to set right? up. Right, but but it's the tax impli- yeah, but the tax implications and all the other things, and sometimes you got it's a loan and you got to pay it back. You don't have to worry about those things if you take this route.
0: Yes, it's very complicated. We've oversimplified it. We'll tweet out some service providers that can do this for you. But I will tell you, retirement accounts are a slept-on source of capital for business funding. And we've done this. I've done this. Our clients have done this. We want to make sure you understand the tools that can be used to do some cooperative economics.
1: Yeah, and even if you don't use your retirement savings, even if you don't do a ROBS, I think that friends should get together a lot more and talk about more than just Bitcoin and... GameStop and all these other random things and really come together and bet on each other. Yeah. Right? Like bet on each other, invest in each other to make each other rich. It's very possible. It happens all the time. I mean, I think about I mentioned him earlier. I think about LeBron James. Like LeBron James definitely, you know, is the is all things basketball. But he brought all of his friends along with him Mm -hmm. to establish a number of other businesses, TV production, sports agency. There's a million of other things that they are doing together to make each other rich. LeBron is only good at basketball.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. But they were all good at other things. They collectively invested in those other things together to share in that profit, to share in that wealth. There are so many of us that have really, really great people around us. We admire them for the things that they're able to do. We patronize them as individuals, but why not become an investor and become rich and wealthy together?
0: Yeah, and you and I have done a lot of cooperative economics deals. Yes. Where we have people who have capital and they don't have the business skills to build a business nor the time to do it.
1: And a lot of times they don't have the access.
0: Yeah, and so they partner with us in certain cases and we'll go out and help them build the business and we'll split the profit. You know, like it happens every day. And what you have to recognize is that not everybody needs to bring money to the table. Sometimes the skill that you have as a person who runs the company or runs the deal is valuable enough for you to get compensated with sweat equity.
1: Yeah, I have another example. So my former boss, when I worked for Puff, um, you know, she's very skilled in all things marketing and all things branding. um, And she launched two very profitable spirits companies for Puff. Mm. Uh, Ciroc and De Leon.
0: And every time you say Puff, you have to make sure. Sean Combs,
1: that. Diddy, Love, whatever he's being called in the moment.
0: Puff, it, it sounded like it was like some The obscure, Magic Dragon? No, like some obscure company called Puff.
1: Okay. Like some random plug somewhere. Yeah. I got you. Um, so yeah, my former boss, when I was working for him, so she has since left and she went out on her own. And you know, as of six months ago, she launched a new spirits company with LeBron James. mm mm-hmm. um, It's a tequila company called Lobos. Now, I know she had been working on something for years. I don't think this was LeBron's idea. hmm Right? But she had a really great concept. She's got the skill. She's got the experience. And so cooperatively, she found other people with the capital. I love it. Who could invest in what she was doing. And now they are all owners. They are all profiting off of this new venture, Right. And it looks great because they're doing it together. When we think about these mega rich people, when we think about, again, Mark Cuban and all these other people who are out here buying teams and launching companies left and right, they rarely do it alone. You rarely know the other people involved because they're not as famous, but they very rarely are doing it alone. Oftentimes it's their friends. Oftentimes it's someone that they did business with before that They don't want to do it alone. They need to bring in other resources. They need to bring in other money. They need to bring in other access. And so they are cooperatively getting these things done. You give these individuals so much credit, but it's very rarely done by one person. And so in our own communities, meaning your family, your neighborhood, your friendship, your school alum, whatever it is, we need to come together. Yes, It's very, very common but it seems like it's just not something that we're open to. It's not the conversations that we're having at home.
0: Well, one thing that I think people need to do before they take the step of doing any of these cooperative economics deals is you've got to get on the same page as the people that you're investing with. Very true. Because everyone that puts dollars in needs to understand that this is going to be a multiple year endeavor. You don't want to make that investment into Lisa's uh,
1: bundle business,
0: LBB. Yes. And then come to find out you need your money back in six months because you needed to put a new roof on your home. Yeah, Like when you invest, you have to invest with multiple years as a time
1: horizon. Yeah. Another thing that you guys have to do when you come together is understanding what the motivation is for each one of you, Facts. right? Like, so if one of y'all is like, I'm just trying to get rich as quick as possible, while someone else is trying to, you know, change the face of an industry, while another person is trying to create a company that they can pass down to their family, while one other person, is trying to build a company that they could sell as quick as possible to somebody else and move on. Mm -hmm. Y'all are gonna be really upset with each other very, very quickly, and y'all are not gonna move lockstep with each other. You're not gonna be able to agree on decisions that need to be made within the business. You've gotta figure out what everybody's motivation is and get on the same page so that when it comes time to invest back into the business, Maybe you need to grow the business. Maybe Mm -hmm. you need to hire more people. Everybody understands what the greater vision is versus just saying, nah, I was trying to be out. We need to keep every single dollar because I was trying to buy a fur coat. I was trying to buy a new Fendi.
0: Perfect example. Like In Momentum, my goal is for this to be a multi-generational company. And the dry cleaners that you and I are in, we will sell these things.
1: (laughs) Y'all want a dry cleaner?
0: We will sell these things as soon as we get them fast, built up enough where the price is right. Yeah. And so you've got to be on, on the same page. I love that point.
1: So we are talking about cooperative economics, how to make money together. Yes. If you don't have all the things that you need to invest in something, it's okay. Because the people around you do. And if you talk to each other and come together, y'all can get it done together. We're going to keep talking about it. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Ooh, it's the past. Hi, this is Ghani Rose, Chief Content Editor here at The North Star. Encouraging you to check out thenorthstar.com every day for insightful, engaging commentary on the stories that impact our culture. The writers at The North Star make it our mission to advocate, mobilize, agitate, and disrupt in the name of creating liberation-centered content We unapologetically center the narratives of black, brown, and indigenous people. We understand that you can get news from anywhere, so we are more interested in offering perspective that speaks to the experiences of our audience. We write freely and with freedom on our minds. We invite you to indulge in our daily editorials and engage in the dialogue that will change the world. We are back. Yes, talking about cooperative economics
0: and Valentine's Day. Happy and
1: Valentine's Day, Lisa's bundle business
0: and Happy Anniversary to Momentum Advisors. Yes, nine we're, years in oh, the game.
1: Nine years down. Yes. Okay.
0: Black owned firm. Black owned. By the way,
1: shout out to being black. Yes, during Black History Month. Absolutely. Lots of things are happening, but we are talking about cooperative economics. And we before are. we went to break, we were talking about you know buying a business with your friends, going into business with your friends. Another form of cooperative economics, it gets a little murky, um, but it's crowdfunding. And I think about so many people who are so quick to do a crowdfund for a funeral. We're so quick to do a crowdfund when something negative happens, when someone gets hurt, when someone needs their medical expenses paid. You know, we will come to the rescue or we will put ourselves on blast for our needs in that regard. But what about when nothing's wrong? everything's okay. Mm -hmm. But I want to do better. Mm -hmm. I want more. I want to offer what I have to the world. I want to start a business. Well, people put up a crowdfund or put a crowdfund together to start a business, to get the funds and the capital together to go into business for themselves.
0: Well, one of the big changes that Obama put in in 2012 with the JOBS Act is this notion of equity crowdfunding. Because there used to just be this notion of, can you donate or can you buy my product in advance, and those things can still work.
1: Yeah, that was Kickstarter.
0: But what about if I want you to actually write a check and be a part of the equity? I want you to actually stand to gain as the business grows. That's this notion of equity crowdfunding, where you can collect small checks from a lot of people, including people you don't know. Like That's where crowdfunding comes into play. You can go on to a crowdfunding platform and raise money for your business from the public in small increments across a lot of different people, and it's legal now, and crowdfunding is one additional way for cooperative economics.
1: So I can tell you about a time where I donated money or did a crowd was a part of a crowdfund for a business to get a business started.
0: Which business was that?
1: Uh, none of my own businesses. Um, it was someone else, and I did not know this person. Um, but I heard that she was a really, really, really great chef. She was a really, really great baker. Um, She used to do a lot of catering gigs in the city and she wanted to have her own brick and mortar place, you know, to sell her food and to sell her baked goods. Mm -hmm. And after just hearing her compelling story, I was like, sure, I'll throw you a couple dollars. And then after seeing the magnitude of growth, this wasn't one of those crowd funds that overnight she made hundreds of thousands of dollars. It took time. Mm -hmm. It took a lot of time. It took a lot of her campaigning sending us emails, showing us her progress, what piece of equipment she was able to purchase with the amount of money she had received thus far, what else she needed, what was the next steps. But eventually, she got the business open. And I think the business has been open now probably for about four or five years. Mm -hmm. And it's doing very, very well. Now, this wasn't an equity crowdfund I just gave out of wanting to see this business grow and be something great. And I will tell you, when COVID hit, she had to do another crowdfund. And We were happy to do it because we felt like she's we felt like she did so diligently by our dollars before Mm -hmm. to grow this thriving business. We don't want to see our money go down the drain like we were invested. We wanted to make sure she was able to continue to thrive during a difficult time. I was proud of her. She's not a black lady. She's a Spanish lady, Spanish lady, single mother Mm -hmm. um, in New York City. And. I just was proud of her for being willing to put herself and her dream out there to people she did and did not know to ask for money to do something great. I think that's the obstacle that a lot of us have to get over. We will ask for some money for some nonsense. But when it comes for asking for money collectively, putting ourselves on front street, putting our business out there to say, hey, I want to do something great. That you will all be proud of, that I can serve as my community or whatever. give me a couple dollars. I don't think it's something that we do enough.
0: Yeah, and there's so many talented business people that just don't have the capital, and a lot of them are in our community and in minority communities, generally. you know, I invested in the Tulsa Fund, which is a crowdfunded real estate platform, and look, you know. What I loved about this fund was the idea that you have hundreds or thousands of investors coming together to invest in real estate. And if the fund works out positively, then everybody splits the profit, you know, and that's the notion of of cooperative economics. It's let's put our money together and let's do some things that none of us could do on our own.
1: Yeah. There's also a very specific crowdfunding platform for people who want to invest in real estate. And so there are some returns when it comes to this. You are exposed to the returns of the purchase and selling of real estate. It's called Fundrise. But there are a variety of platforms out there that speak to investors in a crowdfunding capacity. We just have to look into it.
0: Yeah. There's also the possibility of, of starting a fund. There's, there's regulations behind this, but folk, it's not impossible these days to raise money from your friends, from the public, and go out and make investments on their behalf. Like In 2021, We're seeing a ton of new Black venture capitalists get started. They're getting funded by people like Google and Facebook and Apple. And it's on us to learn how to do this. And again, this is all part of cooperative economics. So we've broken down a lot of really good ways to do cooperative economics. There's a couple of ways that we don't like as much, and we should talk about that too.
1: Yeah, because... I mean, it's not a real Momentum Advisors podcast without a little bit of shade.
0: We got to throw in our shade corner.
1: Yeah, um, and this one's quite shady. So there are some so-called cooperative economics that have been floating around for several years. I
0: think they're almost done now.
1: Though I hope, I hope so. But when they're on and they're on, and people are like, "That's it. That's what we doing. This is how we going to build our community," and Every time Alan and I cringe, one, because we know it's not sustainable, two, because we know half the time it's a scam, and three, you guys are often not informed enough to know what you're really, really a part of, and you're so quick to throw your money into something that you think is going to be a get-rich-quick scheme.
0: Yeah. So the first one is these susus that I think those have all blown up, like blown up in a bad way. Yes. Like people have lost their money. But Absolutely. these susus were like, hey, you put up you know $100, $500 and you'll get back three times your money in 30 days. Like the original concept of the susu was so sweet back when it was in Africa.
1: Yeah, the oh yes, I'm yeah, the original cultural concept of the susu, not what came through here 6 months ago and was dragged through social media and all these video pyramid schemes. Yeah,
0: the original susu was, you know, 10 people get together and put up 100 bucks. And over 10 weeks, everybody takes turns at, at drawing out a thousand dollars. But you put up a hundred, you effectively got back a hundred, right? These new susus, where you put up a hundred and get back three hundred, yeah, it sounds better, but it it's a pyramid scheme that every single pyramid scheme blows up over time.
1: Yeah, ultimately it was just that you had to now recruit other people to put their money in. So once you got your money out, or the only way you was gonna get your money out is to drag more people in. And if it got to a point where people were not doing a good job at dragging new people in, somebody wasn't going to get paid.
0: Yeah. And we got cussed out over this. Yeah. You just hating. You just mad. Like, nah, I'm just trying to protect somebody from getting hurt. Right. Like, this stuff is actually against the law. Like, people can go to jail behind these things. So the illegal susus, we're going to say, is one example of bad cooperative economics. I'll give you another one. There's a lot of these new trading, I'm going to call them schools, for lack of a better word where they well, you pay money every month and you get taught how to trade, whether it's Bitcoin, whether it's foreign exchange. The challenge to these, I'm not saying that you'll never make money doing this, but a lot of the promoters are, are making money, yes, but they're making money from the fees that you're paying yes, in.
1: They're making money off of you, not the trades.
0: Not the trades. Now, I've looked through a couple of these. I sat through the presentation a few times. You're better than me. Now, (laughs) the first red flag for me is that a lot of these people are not licensed. Like Anytime you're talking to someone about an investment and they don't have a license, like that should be a red flag.
1: Right. And it's okay if you have picked up something on your own. Alan and I are big advocates of YouTube University. But if you've picked it up on your own, you don't got no business charging somebody else to teach it to them.
0: You're not allowed to give investment advice for a fee without having a license. People somehow have obscured this. They're like, oh, well, we're just going to tell you the trades. We're not giving you advice. We're just telling you what to do. Like, uh, kind of the same thing. So number one, a lot of these folks are not licensed. Number two, when you ask for a track record, they don't, they don't have anything to show you. Right. They'll say, oh, I'm making mad money.
1: Right. Look at my new car. Look at my new house. That's
0: not a track record. Right.
1: And they'll also say, I've made so much money for myself. I need to see thousands of other people you've made money for. I need to see hundreds of other people you've made money for. I need this to be tried and true, tested several times over.
0: Also, show me the money you made from the multi-level marketing side. Yes. And separate that from the money you've made from the trading side. Now, look, I do think that people can learn how to trade. And I do think that there's day traders that support themselves. And I don't want to discourage someone from becoming one of them. But I don't want someone to be lured into one of these schemes thinking that they're going to make mad money, when in reality, the person that sold them on the scheme is making money from the multi-level marketing fees and not from the trading.
1: Right. And what they're encouraging you to do is to just bring more people in or start your own school.
0: Yeah. Because you'll bring the money in and you'll pay the fee and you might start losing money that you don't even know what the heck is happening. Like this Robin Hood thing has been big recently, the GameStop thing. I'm always worried that someone's going to get hurt. There was a kid, a 21-year-old kid, who was trading on Robin Hood, did not know what he was doing.
1: Way before GameStop.
0: Yeah. This kid ended up committing suicide because he thought, because he didn't know what he was doing, he thought that he had lost $700,000 and he was devastated behind
1: this. Not $700,000 that he had put up. Yeah. He thought he had invested and the investment went so wrong yeah. that he owed seven hundred thousand dollars
0: yeah and so it's dangerous like this trading stuff really requires a lot of education people get master's degrees and phds to really master how to trade not saying that's required but i am saying you're probably not going to learn it in a week the final one that we'll throw some shade on is investment clubs investment clubs are when folks come together and they buy stocks together the reason we don't like investment clubs is that nowadays you don't need to come together to buy stocks. Yeah. Years ago it cost thousands of dollars to open a brokerage account. The the fees were very high. Today you can buy fractions of shares. You can get started as an investor today for like 500 bucks. So there's really not a gain from coming together into an investment club, and that's why we don't
1: like them. Okay. Well, we've talked about cooperative economics. We've talked about the good. We've talked about the strategies, the things that people need to consider, the things that people need to open their eyes to and really start to do collectively. we talked a little bit about the things y'all need to stop doing, okay, that we don't want to hear about anymore. Do not get on Twitter and ask us about these three things we just talked about, susus, um, these pyramid schemes, these... uh, these trading schools.
0: Yeah. And the investment clubs. And
1: the investment clubs. We just said how we feel about it. That's It is what it is. But for all these other things, we hope we've opened your eyes yes. to just think bigger. Don't just limit yourself to what you have, what you individually have on your own. Think about the people around you and what you can bring together to really grow wealth with one another. And that's cooperative economics. We want to give a shout out to our North Star family. Shout out to Willis for always bringing these podcasts together. Yes, big shout out. Um, shout out to Sean and Ray for believing in us and picking up our podcast and putting yes. us on air. And we will be back next week. So I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we're the Momentum Advisors. Momentum.